Some of you are real planners, amen? And you know exactly who you are this morning. You spend almost a year mapping out your next vacation. You have plans for your time, your finances, your future, your free time. And at times you have plans also for all those around you. That was a joke. (laughs) Too painfully true, isn't it? You are orderly. You are organized. You are sought after as a committee newly forms, and we need this person because they are planners. They love when you join their work group because you bring stability out of chaos. Problem is, life happens. Amen? Amen. Life happens. Kids get sick. Work gets hectic. Someone else changes their plans, which directly affects your plans. That critical item that you ordered is now back-ordered, and you can't work out your plan the way you wanted to. You find out as life happens, so much of your life is out of your control, and some of you struggle with that. And when that happens, it often leads to your own frustration. And when a planner is frustrated, you know what happens? Almost everyone else around them gets affected. If you're a planner, at times you ask yourself at a point of weakness, why do I even try? Why plan? What's the use? Dashed expectations? are hard to recover from. So how do I handle life as a planner? How do I handle what the future holds when sometimes God messes up our plans? See, the plans don't always make sense when God gets involved. And you say to yourself, what? God's plans are different than my plans? I know some of you are laughing on the inside as I say that because you know exactly what I'm talking about. How can that be? I I prayed about it. I've laid it out. I've, I've given it to God and said, God, please bless these plans because I think they're going to bring you glory. And God laughs just like you just did. You've asked God to bless those plans. You see, I want to use my time and my resources for his glory. And how should I respond when all of a sudden my plans don't line up with God's plans and all of a sudden, guess whose plans get put into process and into place? No, sorry, Deb, it's not your plans, it's God's plans. God's plans always take priority. And the older we get, we think we've learned it. And so I want to look at the Christmas account this morning. I mean, we hear it every year. But I want us to look at the Christmas account, five different sections. And I want you to look at it with me 
when God messed up everyone else's plans. So, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, page 1026, there in the Pew Bible. In Matthew 1, starting at verse 18, the focus of this particular passage seems to be on Joseph. Matthew 1.18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. There are key words to this whole passage, betrothed. It's a word we don't often hear. At some point, the parents of Mary and the parents of Joseph got together and said, you know, our kids, they really fit. They really are a picture of what a young couple should look like. And and they're both very devout. They love God. And so they got together and they arranged a marriage between the two of them. Now they lived in the same city. I think Joseph noticed Mary. My opinion, that's all it is. It's not in the text. For him to say, yes, I think... I mean, her godliness had to be seen by others. And when his folks came to him, Joseph, we've arranged a marriage between Mary and you. I think his heart did a small dance. They picked well for me. And so they signed an agreement. They they drank a cup of wine to seal the covenant. And then in betrothals of this time, Mary was now to live apart from Joseph for one year. Why? To prove her chastity. To prove that she was a virgin, had never known a man. I can imagine that year beginning to tick off with Joseph saying, I can't wait for those 12 months. He's excited But notice in verse 18, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I can't imagine how crushed Joseph must have been. This young maiden who was going to be his wife was unfaithful. She proves it with her pregnancy. I mean, what else could you attribute it to? That's the way biology works, amen? There's no other explanation. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved, there's the planning side of things, resolved to divorce her quietly. He wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to preserve her to some degree, but he couldn't marry, as the world says, damaged goods. He was a righteous man. I'll do this quietly. I I won't bring her up for public scandal. I need to preserve my integrity as a godly man and put her away. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, as his plans continued to unfold, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. That is going to mess up my plans, said Joseph, saying, Joseph, 
part of the lineage of David, part of the royal line. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What? That's unheard of, literally unheard of. Even though it was prophesied in the past, they've never seen it. And then, to blame it on the third person of the Trinity, what a cop-out. It wasn't me, it was God that did this, Joseph. I could see her saying that, and I could see the skepticism rise in his thinking to say, get your story straight. But an angel tells him the truth. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. What do you mean? Fathers have the prerogative of naming their sons, amen? That's our job, to work with our wives and to come up with a name for that. And, and typically, Joseph's name would be carried on to the next generation. I guess, though, if you're not the father, you don't get that choice, do you? And Joseph hears his name will be Jesus. God names the child, not Joseph. God, you're messing with the plans. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, can you imagine how his head must have been reeling with thoughts and ideas and what to do? And this doesn't make sense. And angels at that time did not go visiting a lot of other people. God had been silent for 400 years. He woke from sleep. And I underlined in my text, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Can you imagine the struggle in this young man's life who now had a fiancé that was pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Explain that to the neighbors. Explain in your own thinking the shame that you are going to willingly take on because the moment that he took her as his wife, he was admitting to the world he was the father. I'm going to do the right thing by this young gal. So his seeming righteousness was now called into question. The shame went from her to them. The ridicule they now felt as a couple, that small little town, racked with scandal. And Joseph is saying, I didn't sign up for this. I was just trying to do the right thing. That's the situation. Can I tell you what the result is? If you would write this down in your notes. God may use you to fulfill a promise 
and bless someone else. When God messes with your plans, he may want to use you to fulfill a promise that he has made to someone else and to bless that person as well. And you can think about ways that your plans have been changed when all of a sudden what you had planned to do all of a sudden goes out the window and you say, oh God, what are you doing? Are you angry with me? And God says, no, I want to use you in someone else's life. I want to bless others. Uh, But we cop an attitude. And notice, what did Joseph do as his world was rocked, as his plans got messed up? He did what God asked him to do. The word is obedience. So when your plans get messed up, when all of a sudden the things you have laid out so clearly and you've asked God to kind of bless for you, and he changes it, do you cop an attitude? Do you say, oh, God must not have seen how important this was to me. God is trying to punish me for something. No. He wants to bless someone else through you. He wants to fulfill a promise that he made to them through you. So when that happens, remain obedient. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, the focus of Matthew chapter 2 seems to be Herod the king. Notice in chapter 2, verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, and Herod becomes the focus all the way through verse 12. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now stop right there. You need to know who Herod the king was. Herod the king was a a tenuous political leader, struggling to keep peace, struggling to interface between Rome and the local Palestinians. These wise men show up at the palace. Now, they were probably well-dressed. They had expensive gifts with them. But they came with a very disturbing question. Verse 2, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Stop right there. Herod, Herod's title was king of the Jews. His wife didn't just have a child. And so... This insecure leader who was tenuous at best in his reign realized somewhere in his sphere of influence another person was being born who these wise men, these seers, called Herod's title, King of the Jews. That's a disturbing question. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. No, he was unglued. And all Jerusalem with him. You see, Herod had a plan for the nation. Herod had all the things laid out, had his his people in certain places so that he could keep control 
over Jerusalem and control over the nation. And these wise men come and ask a disturbing question and his plans begin to evaporate. Verse 4, And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. I don't hear a long period of study. They knew exactly where it was in the scriptures. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it was, is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. He felt his power waning. He did not like that. He wanted no political rivals. The plan was being dashed. Verse 7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, Jerusalem to Bethlehem, five to six miles. That close. He said, Go and search diligently for my usurper of authority. No, go, go diligently look for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You know why? Because they were coming from the east and going to the west and they went from somewhere over to Jerusalem. They met with Herod the king and then somehow the star started moving south, not west to east. When's the last time you've seen a star do a right angle? Highly unlikely unless there is a miracle. They saw the star. It changed direction. It took them south. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, another change of plans... They departed to their own country by another way. See, what was the situation? Don't rock the political balance. Don't mess with Herod. Can I suggest what the result was of God messing with the plans of Herod? God was saying he is an ultimate sovereign control. And if we say that, we also have to say we are not in control. Can I hear an amen to that? We are not in control. See, Herod did not leave room for God to be God. He did not leave room for God to act sovereignly in this situation, in this nation. And there are times as you make plans, as you lay it out, 
Sometimes your plans are so precise and so tight that God says, I got to mess up your plans because you have not taken into account me, God. And I want to do something different. And so he has to show that he is the sovereign one. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1, page 1088 there in the Pew Bible. And in Luke verses 26 to 38, the focus is on Mary. Let's read the passage and set the situation up. In the sixth month, now stop right there, the sixth month of what? Well, what you're going to learn is this is the sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth. Elizabeth, advanced in age, pregnant with their first child, her husband unable to speak. Wouldn't that be just great? She could say whatever she wanted. That was a change of his plans for sure. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Gabriel was sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of the lineage of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now Mary was just, see, he hasn't said a word yet. Mary doesn't know that the angel's been sent to her. She's going on as if, let's do plans for the wedding. That's where she's at. Some suggest she's 15, 16 years old. She has in her mind's eye this beautiful wedding. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. See, we just read over that. That's an angel. It's Gabriel, one of the archangels. And you're 15 or 16, and he says you are favored by God. That has to unglue her. Well, it says in verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Oh, I've never had an angel speak to me. I can imagine what it took for her to just stay still. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God which again speaks to her devoutness to the Lord. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. What the angel just told this young maiden is you are going to have the privilege of carrying the promised Messiah. Every Jewish girl at that time longed to be that person. 
And God chose Mary. And she's saying, okay, I'm not married yet, so I'm assuming this is going to have to wait until I marry Joseph, correct? Because that's what it says in 34, and Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? So it's going to take Joseph, I get that. And the angel answered her and said, no, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. And if that weren't hard enough, the child will be called the Son of God. That wasn't the plan. That is far beyond her thinking. I don't even fathom how this is possible at my young age. Well, At my old age, I can't figure it out either. Verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Past the childbearing years and she is now six months along. And I'll even tell you that she's going to have a son. Before the days of genetic testing, the angel told her. And this statement that we just kind of read over, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, I can't imagine her thinking process at this point. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's the situation. What was the result? If you're taking notes, God may desire to do the impossible through you. Sometimes he messes up our plans because he wants to do something that is far beyond what you even could think of planning. And the question becomes for us like it was for Mary. Will you let him do this? Now, it seems like an obvious question, but I know there are times in my life when God has blessed me and God has said, I wish to change your plans, and I have said to God, no. No. I want my plans. I say that to my shame. God wished to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all I could ask or think. And I, because of my puny little plans, looked at the sovereign God and said, no. And God may wish to do something impossible through you. How will you respond? And notice the very end of that passage. What was the key? Mary understood her role as God's servant. And when all of a sudden God messes up your plan and he puts something else on the horizon and says, I want you to go for that. Do you cop an attitude and say no? Or do you say, God, I'm your servant. I'll do what you ask. I'll do it joyfully. I'll I'll do it courageously. I'll, I'll do it with complete trust in you. But I'll do it. Fourth situation is found in chapter 2 of Luke, verses 1 to 7. 
And I think the focus in this passage is what I call the holy family. It is Mary and Joseph and the babe. What is the situation? Chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. As I reflected over this passage, God was using world events to accomplish his plan. And sometimes I can imagine if we live back there, oh, another taxation. Gripe can complain. And God was saying, I'm going to use political powers. I'm going to use the situation politically, and I'm going to affect my great plan through the present political situation. This first registration was when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house in the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was, the King James says, great with child. God You're asking me to travel with a pregnant woman? Do you realize how many stops we're going to have to make on the way? That's not a joke. That's reality, guys, if you haven't gotten a pregnant wife yet. In all this distance, really? You really want? Well, that's what the plan is, according to the world leaders. And while they were there, The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. You make me travel with the pregnant woman. I don't understand all that went place, and and now you are taking us miles away so that we have no close family to attend the birth. No one to comfort Mary. You are going to make her rely upon me if I were Joseph. God, I didn't sign up for this. I don't understand your plan. Why couldn't we have stayed in Nazareth? Mom and dad are there. This is more than inconvenient. This, I'm ill-prepared to deal with all of this. I think both Joseph and Mary said. That's the situation. What's the result? Sometimes God's plans are inconvenient at best. Sometimes his plans are lonely or hard. Trust his plans for you. It's so easy to to gripe and to murmur and to say, God, you don't understand what you're asking me to do. God knows exactly what he's asking you to do. God's going to give you the grace to do it. And so would you obey what you know? You see God's plan unfolding in front of you. You may not like it. It may be hard. It may be difficult. It may be over the top. Obey what you know. 
See, the Holy Family at this point is allowing God's plan to play out as He planned, not as they planned. Final group are the shepherds. Luke 2, 8 through 20. And I read this passage. These men, possibly women as well, were just doing their job. They were tending sheep. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And there you go again. Another angel shows up. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Right. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Recover from that one. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's just keep watching the sheep. That's the plan tonight. It's not what it says. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. That's the situation. What's the result? Sometimes God messes with our plans to get our attention. Sometimes he messes with our plans to get our attentions. He wants us to see something. He wants us to be involved in something. He may want us even to do something. But he gets our attention by messing with our schedules, our plans. And these shepherds got it. They dropped what they were doing. They sought out what God was working If you've spent any time in the Spitzer household, we have a phrase that we started using 30 years ago, maybe even more. And all of a sudden, one of us will say, God's wonder alert. Now, the first couple times we did that, uh, what she want to show us now? What does he want to show us now? Now we just drop everything. Because someone in our family sees something so precious, so unique, so part of nature maybe, that we now as a family all run to wherever the person that said that is because we're going to experience something special at that moment. These shepherds dropped everything to see God's wonder alert.
That's the shepherds. So what does this mean for us individually, corporately? What is your response when God messes with your plans? Murmur, 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 murmur. Or charge your heads with your plans. I planned it. God will eventually catch up with me. Now, we don't say that, but we act like that. And we just execute our plan. We, we don't want to go a different direction. Or uh, we move reluctantly, dragging our feet, saying, oh, if you really want me to do this, God, I'll... I really like my plan better. Some of you freeze up. You have your plan, you have God's change of plans, and you don't know which way to turn. And so you do nothing. Some of you at that moment ask a lot of questions. God, do you really mean this? So either you're asking for clarification questions, which is not a bad thing, or you're asking enough questions that maybe you can find a reason not to obey. Would you please remember the points this morning? God may want to use you to fulfill a promise and bless someone else by messing with your plans. God is ultimately sovereign. We are not in control of this life. God may desire to do the impossible through you. Would you please remember whose servant you are? You're God's servant. He does not answer to you. You answer to him. Sometimes God's plans are inconvenient or lonely or hard. Would you please trust his plans for you? At his very core, God is good. Every plan he works out in your life, it's to bless you. It's for your good. Every one of them. So obey what you know. Sometimes God messes with our plans to get our attention. He wants us to see something, to be involved in something, to watch him work in someone else's life, and he's got to move you there to do it. Don't gripe. Don't complain. If anyone had that prerogative, it would have been the five people that we've talked about this morning, and they did not. So when God messes with your plans, take it in stride. Acknowledge him as the Lord of your life. He has the right to mess with your plans. Amen? Amen. And then go forward. Let's pray.